welcome to For the Record, an unfiltered view on current trends and timeless advice for surviving in the aesthetics industry. Whether you're an injector, practice owner, sales rep, or marketer, it's time to set the record straight. Each week, we cut through the chaos and showcase diverse perspectives and winning ideas from the best minds in the industry. I'm your host, Dr. Tiffany Hall, Chief Growth Officer at Aesthetic Record. Now, let's get started on this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to season four of For the Record. I cannot believe we're on season four, but I'm so excited to be here. And we have an amazing guest to kick off the season. You guys know I like to start off with a bang. And this time we're trying off with a little bit of a sparkle, if you will. We have with us today, Danny Schur, who is in Chicago, Illinois. She's a physician associate and like she needs no introduction at all. If you guys have Instagram or have been alive in aesthetics, you've seen her videos, which are absolutely hysterical. She is a genius when it comes to ultrasound, helped to really bring it to the U.S., and make it part of our clinical practice, is training all across the country, has an amazing practice in Chicago, is really doing all the things, and I am a huge fangirl, and she's here with us today. So, Danny, welcome to our show. Oh, thank you so much. What a nice introduction. Holy moly. <laughs> well, I told you in the text, I need to take an edible before I do this because I'm such a fangirl, but trust me, guys, I did not take the edible. I'm good to go on that. But you have such a cool background. You are a stand-up comedian. You've been in the ER forever. Now you've been in aesthetics for quite some time. You're ushering in new things, new clinical practice standards, if you will. And you just have so much cool stuff I want to talk about. But we're going to start unpacking it first with how in the heck did you get here from French to comedy to the ER and now you're in aesthetics? Give us your a quick background, if you will. Oh, wow. You did a deep dive on my bio <laughs> to, to mention the French thing. Um that's yeah, that was sort of a, a detour for sure. But um, yeah, I I actually went to school to um, with the hopes of becoming a physician. My dad's a doctor and I was always kind of thinking I'd be a doctor. Um, so I went to a school considering pre-med and then basically found comedy there and was like, never mind pre-med, I'm just going to become a comedian. Um, and so I switched to a French major because that was I had plenty of credits from high school. So I was like, this one, I can just get in and out of here with a degree and focus on comedy. Um, so I did that. I I just, um, after college, moved to Chicago with 200 bucks in my pocket and crashed on somebody's couch for a few weeks while I rollerbladed to job interviews um, and got a job at Dave & Buster's, which was really a highlight of my career. And um, I did comedy for many, many years, about 13 years. And uh, then I started kind of pining for a little bit more stable life as I got older and saw some of my comedian friends and that they were still kind of going through, you know, job to job struggles. And I just thought, you know, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can hang like this for eternity. And so I thought, why don't I why don't I go back into medicine? And so ultimately I did, I, I got back into medicine, but um, ended up going the PA route because I still wanted to stay active in comedy. And I thought being a PA could afford me that. So, so that's what I did. I uh, kept up the comedy a little bit, went to PA school, fell in love with emergency medicine uh, and have been in the same ER for 15 years, a level one trauma center in Chicago. And, uh, that's where I kind of started getting into ultrasound, you know, about 12 years ago, about three years into my ER career, I started picking up ultrasound and, uh, loved it really fell in love with how it refined 
the work that I was doing in the ER made a lot of these ER procedures so much more, uh, so much safer, so much more sophisticated. And then when I got interested in injections, I, I thought, well, a lot of the stuff's really pretty unsafe if, if you don't know where you're going. So that's what I did. I, I started kind of ultrasounding the face and, uh, and that the rest is kind of history. So that's kind of in a nutshell, um, how I got French, uh, comedy ER ultrasound. Well, little known fact, I'm obsessed with the ER shows like Chicago Med, New Amsterdam, like obsessed. And I kind of feel like the stand up and the ER are kind of the same thing. Like you don't know what you're going to walk into. You just kind of kind of go work with the crowd, feel it as you go, you know, make make change on the fly. So I, I can actually see how those are and somewhat related. But to that point, you've brought the comedy kind of over into aesthetics. You you make things that are really difficult or hard to talk about funny and lighthearted. And I think people really cling to that because it's such a relief for us in this chaotic industry that we live in. But kind of thinking through that, I want to talk about your business aspect first before we go into ultrasound, because I think your background doesn't scream entrepreneur at all. Like, I'm going to own a business one day. You know, it's just a, it's a very different background. But you have this amazing practice, which, by the way, guys, her last name is not Sparkle. I laugh every time I hear it. It's not Sparkle, uh, although it could be. But let's talk about your business and how you made the jump to entrepreneurship from being in the ER and thought, huh, let's just own a business and build this big thing out and then go travel the world and do ultrasound and, you know, and be Danny. Yeah, that's... That is definitely the biggest um, sort of accident of the whole thing um, was the 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 success and the in the kind of entrepreneurial aspect of uh, my business, Sparkle Aesthetics. Um, I, I quite honestly was born out of just like a deep seated authority complex that I have. I just didn't want to have to kind of report to anybody, and I knew I wouldn't really probably do well in kind of working underneath somebody. Um, so I just thought if I'm going to do injections, it's just going to be kind of on my own, but I never really expected to do what I've done here. So this has been a real work in progress and a real learning curve for me, which I think it is for a lot of people in the aesthetic world is, you know, a lot of us are medical. We never had business training. We never had, you know, entrepreneurial kind of uh, aspirations. I think a lot of it is born out of love of the art and love of the, you know, in, injecting people and helping them feel their best. I think all of that um, kind of is a, is a journey for a lot of us in medicine is to how to, how to run and operate and grow a business. Um, so I think for me, when I started injecting, it was really just with the idea that I just want to do Botox parties and, you know, kind of do my own thing. And those Botox parties quickly became, oh, you did my Botox a couple months ago at this party. I need you to do it again. Like now I'm due. And so, you know, it was kind of servicing those people or their, their friends or their family. Hey, you did my Botox at this party. Can you do my mom, my neighbor or whatever? And so that kind of got into, well, I don't really want to be doing this at somebody's house or at my house. So I just kind of got into a little, um, office sharing with a physician in Oak Park and she was doing stuff at the hospital a couple of days a week. So I would share her space. And then that got to be kind of like, I felt like I was in her way and it wasn't the right vibe with somebody with like, you know, she was a GI doctor. So it was like somebody with like their like, you know, colostomy tubes or, you know, just was like, this isn't the right fit for what I'm going for. And um, so then I moved to share another space again, always with the idea a couple of days a week, I want to still go to the ER. Um, 
And I went and shared another space with a microblader. And that went really well too. And so then we started uh, kind of cross-promoting each other. She had microblading clients. I had my Botox and um, not too much filler at the time, uh, patients. And so that just became kind of like a much more blossoming business where I said, I should probably hire a front desk person, you know, just because I can't answer the phone when I'm injecting and stuff like that. And, and then from there, it just really grew. And then that was a few years ago that I moved into my current space. And that was a storefront, which I thought, eh, it's not going to change that much. I can still have a small little business in a storefront, but that's not what happened. It just became more and more, oh, hey, do you do laser hair? And do you do facials here? And I thought, yeah, I probably should do that stuff because all these people, I don't want them going someplace else to get that stuff, you know? So it just really organically grew into a much bigger business than I had set out to do. Um, and now, in fact, I'm building out a, a, another space that's uh, three times the size of my current space. So it, it continues to grow and and I continue to try to work hard to develop this part of my brain that is is really pretty new to me, which is like owning and operating a business with employees. That's all very new to me. Well, it's funny because I come from that part of it. That part's like in the bag for me and the other part's like all the medical and the clients and thinking about you know an adverse event and what do you do in the moment and you know i think i obsess over that when we look at the conference because i want people to know that part when they actually probably really need the business coaching as much as they need the actual clinical coaching so i try to balance it out but i don't always do a good job it's whatever you come to the table with is kind of your perspective but one of the things i love about your business is you have branded it so beautifully it's very like this 50s jetsons like it's a space age um 1950s about i don't know how to even explain it but you've branded it where Wherever I look at anything and see your your imagery, I know it's your brand. I know it's your practice that we're talking about. And that's not a thing that people usually know how to do. I mean, even creatives don't think about that very often. But how did you kind of set on this motif, if you will, this decor, this idea? Because, again, your name is like synonymous with your practice and with what you're doing. I mean, it's just so beautifully branded. So give us some ideas on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And, and yes, I, I have to give you major credit because I think somebody like you has also built like an incredible empire um you know that takes such business savvy and i after kind of building my my business i i think to myself wow there are people out there that just know how to do this stuff and i'm amazed and impressed by by people like you that kind of know exactly how to maneuver all these different things that like are are really an uphill kind of educational battle for me but um, but anyways, I, um, I, I kind of set out for a different vibe than when I was with the microblader sharing space with a microblader and she had sort of like this black kind of like Gothic space and working in that space for a couple of years, I was like, I don't really know what uh, my aesthetic is going to be if I get my own space, but I know it's not going to be like dark and black and gold. She was like black and gold heavy. So I think out of that came this desire for just kind of leaning into this like maximalist color. And, you know, from being from Florida, I've always loved like turquoise and, you know, teal and pink, you know, that kind of Miami flamingo vibe. And as a child who grew up in the eighties, born somewhere around there, um, but uh, I loved the show, I dream of Jeannie and I loved 
the show Bewitched and I loved the Jetsons and I just loved that aesthetic. And to me, I kind of really wanted to embrace that sense of what I grew up with was like beautiful. Like I Dream of Jeannie to me was like beautiful. And uh, Samantha and Bewitched was like, I was like, she's so pretty. Like I want to be like her. And um, so for me, the Sparkle brand was kind of this sense of nostalgia for me personally. And also understanding that in aesthetics, so much of our choices as patients are are driven by a sense of nostalgia. You know, this sense of like how we want to look is very similar to how we used to look and kind of embracing that, that aesthetics is deeply rooted in a sense of nostalgia um, and kind of like this wanting to hold on to how we look now so that time isn't kind of changing us. Um, so I kind of just blew that out and thought, I just want this place to be like maximalist Florida and happy and sunny and this kind of beautiful 1950s, 60s uh, space that was just happy. I knew I didn't want it to feel like other med spas. I knew I wanted it to be like when people walk in, they don't feel intimidated. They don't feel like I don't belong here, but instead they feel like this place is fun and it's warm and welcoming. Um, and it gives me a sense of peace for some reason. So that's what I did. I love it. And I love Samantha. I love that whole, <clears throat> I'm also an eighties baby. I love that whole genre. Um, and you know, it's interesting because I think because you love it so much and believe in it, it comes through with everything that you do. It's in all of your marketing materials, everything looks and feels that way. I think if you don't love your brand, you're a little bit gun shy to use it, or it doesn't just naturally come to you to put it on everything. Like we put, I'll put AR on my coffin. Like I'll put AR, I'll get a tattoo of a set of record one day because it, you know, you spend so much time building a brand, it becomes synonymous with who you are. I think you you experience that. I do as well. Or it's like, I am AR some days and AR is me and we're kind of the same thing. And so I, I totally understand it. But as I think about a patient coming into your practice, are they aware? I'm sure they are. They have your Instagram of all the like hilarious things that you guys do there. I mean, you bring in Brittany and Rana and, you know, you're all together in all these funny videos. And where does the time come to make those, first of all? And how does that impact your patient perspective walking in? Because you do have this like different thing that no one else has that makes it like a destination. Yeah, that's um, a great question. I think um, I, I think the patients that come there, they have seen a lot of this stuff. And I think for whatever reason, they're like, that's who, that's where I want to go. A place that like did a video on like mixing their product with a vibrating cock ring. And they, you know, like I, they're, they're, for whatever reason they go like, oh, that kind of comedy seems like a place I could, could get along with there. And um, I, I do think in aesthetics, we draw people in that are similar to us. And so in, in a way, my Instagram and all of the comedy stuff, it's sort of like a weeding out feature where if you don't, if this doesn't crack you up, or if this is like unsettling to you, you're probably not going to really get along with me that well in person, or we're not going to have the right fit. So in a way, it's kind of like a just a first step to be like, are are we going to be, are we going to have a good therapeutic relationship together? Uh, so I, I think that a lot of them have seen it and it's either not a deterrent or it does draw them in. Uh, so that's a good thing. Uh, and then as far as like the time to make the videos, I mean, uh, they are the, the bigger involved videos, like you're talking about with Rana and Britt and Maggie and everybody that I try to grab from Chicago, uh, those take me very little time to come up with the script takes me very little time. They're just usually in the back of my brain 
where I'm like, oh, that would be really funny. And I sit down and I write it real quick. And then, and then I just send out an email to every, all, all the injectors in Chicago that I know and just saying, hey, is anybody available this date and this time? And then whoever is, it's usually on a Sunday, whoever is, I'm just like, great, you're going to, you're going to play this like Disney princess, you know, that washes people's faces with Botox and they're like, great, let's do it. So it's, it turns out to be a really fun time and, and whoever's available, I, I, I'm always so grateful. I'm like, thank you for doing this ridiculous idea. Well, we got to be part of the Tom Van Eyck video a few weeks ago, and we were at Modern Beauty Con. My, I walk into my staff, is like filming this, and I'm like, guys, do you know who that is? And they don't know aesthetics quite like I do. I'm like, that's Tom, and this Dane, like, this is huge. You know, they were, and they were like so excited about doing it afterwards. But you're saying all the things that we all want to say that we can't because we're either embarrassed or our social media won't let us because the, the PR police. So I think it's a huge service to our industry, frankly. I mean, you're doing the Lord's work here. Danny may not know it, but you are. Because it's things, even like the Olympics that you did were it's just hysterical. The Injector Olympics, I, lo- I just love that. And like the most average injector award that you've been giving out, that one's hysterical too. I can't think of what you call it, but you know you know what I'm talking about. But I think you're saying the things that we don't want to say because we're scared to. But it, it brings, again, a lighthearted part of you know the, the downside of aesthetics, a part of it that's not so... Um, pretty the ugly side of it and it makes it a bit laughable for all of us to say oh my gosh this is this is us we're doing this and I think it's not TikTok dancing which I love thank you for not doing TikTok dancing and doing this instead because I find value in this but thinking through that ultrasound in your practice and you know all these things you have going on you have the brand you have you know this exciting comedy life you're still in the ER all the time you know doing that too how do you balance all of that as now a business owner and getting all that sort of at the top tier level, I mean, you're operating at a very high level, very high quality level, doing great outcomes, good patient work, and then make it all fit into your life. Because you're also a mom with kids. So how in the hell are you getting this all done? Give us your scheduling advice because I'm not getting it all done. And I want to learn from you how to get it all done. No, it's definitely a struggle. Like I, it, it really is a struggle. And I, and there are days where I'm like, I have taken on too much. Like this is just too much. And, um, so it, it's, it's definitely a lot right now. My, my typical day is I'm, I'm usually waking up around like 5.30 to just kind of answer emails and kind of get on top of everything from an organizational perspective. And, um, and then I try to have everything done by seven when the kids wake up. And then it's, you know, when, my, when I'm with my kids, I just try to put everything else away and just be present. And that's my whole goal as a mom is to just, be focused on them when they're awake and when I'm around them. And I try to not even get home until I've answered all the emails or texts that I need to. I'd rather stay at the office for an extra 30 minutes, getting all that put away so that when I come home, I put my phone away and I can just talk to my, my babies about their day and what they've got going on. So, um, but it is, it's, it's a struggle. You know, I, I grew up with a mom who worked a lot. Um, she was, she was an Olympic, she qualified for the Olympic marathon when she was 44 and 48, running like a 246 marathon, just like insanely fast. She just worked her buns off as a runner, but she was also working as a, um, like an insurance VP. And then she ended up going to law school. I mean, she was sort of like, to me, the role model of like, just go after whatever you love. And, um, showing that to your kids will, will make you a good mom, you know, cause my mom has been amazing. Um, and we're very close. We've always been very close. So to me, I think if, if I have less time, that's more quality with the kids and that's more important because they, 
it's important to me to show my daughter, especially what it looks like to go after what you love and to work hard. And so I try to balance it in terms of quality time versus quantity, because I, I definitely don't want more time where I'm distracted or on my phone. So usually I'm like home by six, 6.30, and then it's like kid time from 6.30 to 8.30, and then it's husband time from 8.30 to 10. Um, and then the thing that does go is like, I have to sacrifice husband time a little bit to answer questions on email or whatever. So that's definitely, it's a constant balancing act. I think that most working women would kind of feel. So you're not alone, Tiffany. And I, and I think I'm not alone either. Like, I think there are tons of us in, especially in aesthetics that are moms and just trying to juggle it all. Yeah, it's a season of life too. I mean, you're in a hot you're in a hot time right now for you. Your name is everywhere. People want you. They want they want time with you to come to your classes, for you to come to them and do classes. So I think part of it too is just seasonality. Like you got to ride the wave. You know, when when the iron is hot, you got to strike. And I think for you with ultrasound, because you're ushering it in, like you and Stella and Steve Weiner are really the first ones to make it part of the everyday clinical practice, like part of you know life as an injector. You've got big shoes to fill. You've got not big shoes to fill. You have a tall order to fill. You know, you've got a big job and what you're doing is impacting the industry in a way that, you know, we haven't seen before. We haven't really talked about this before. I think in the ER, I'm sure, you know, 25 years ago, they weren't using ultrasound either. And now they are. It's a weird thing to learn and to get comfortable with. And it's different and new and people are pushing back. It's such a polarizing topic, What I love it or I hate it. And so I think about with me when I go home with my, with my little boy, I have to, you know, you bring all that with you, all that baggage. So I, I try to do what you do, like stop it, leave it at the door. And then when you're home, you're home. But my God, it's so hard, Danny. It's so hard to do because I want to get that email sent or, you know, get you get you that thing that you needed, or and everyone needs needs you all the time, right? It's twenty four seven. They want you all the time. But thinking through that, you know, in your travel schedule, you do a lot of your trading in your office, obviously in Chicago. But you know, you're kind of everywhere right now. So, at what point did you decide I'm going to take this this show on the road and go out and start doing ultrasound? And by the way, in doing that, what have you heard people who are like, oh, ultrasound? That's you know, that's a fad. That's not really going to be a thing long term. I think it is. By the way, guys, newsflash, it is going to be a thing. How do you combat that or get people to believe in it? Because I think whenever you leave a, a training, they're like, oh, ultrasound's so great. Like you have this way to just magically turn them on to it. So what are your perspectives right now thinking about the next three to five years in aesthetics? Will we have ultrasound as part of our clinical standards? And in doing that, you know, how does it look for you going out and training and inject and, you know, teaching injectors all over the country and the world possibly? Loaded question. Yeah. Um, so I think like, in terms of, I'm going to, I'll answer the part about like, what do I see the future of, of like in three to five years, is this going to be a standard practice? And, and I always compare it to my experience of what happened in the emergency room, um, because I was in the emergency room when ultrasound kind of was becoming the hot topic of the ER. So, you know, I, and I definitely rode that wave, like in the ER of like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like I was doing like subclavian central lines and just hoping that I didn't cause a pneumothorax and doing all these procedures that kind of wigged me out a little bit. And I, I kind of heard about ultrasound because it was, it was new back then. It was newer and it was really a small sect of people who understood it. And uh, so I jumped on that and, you know, it's, it's definitely become much more standardized in the emergency room. It's definitely something that now it's part of the PA school and the medical school education is learning ultrasound. I just, I just taught up at the uh, PA school, a workshop there. It's now part of their routine. If every you know second year PA student needs to understand ultrasound before they walk into the ER. 
So I think, uh, I think though it is more standard now in the emergency room, it's still not like mandatory. It's not part of like some kind of um, expectation. It's still, you know, there are still kind of older doctors that never really picked it up that are still doing stuff without ultrasound and they just not interested. So I, I think that we're, we're going to have a similar arc in aesthetics where I think that it's still becoming more and more popular in aesthetics, but I think that we're going to have holdouts that just never do it. And it's going to be fine. Like they don't need to, they're doing their thing. Do I think it's like much safer? Yes. And I think it's, um, makes our practice more medical and, you know, a little bit less like beauty industry and a little bit more medical. I think when we, when we start talking about using ultrasound. Uh, so I, I think that it's okay that everybody doesn't jump on board the ultrasound wagon, but it's my job as an educator to make it as digestible and um, easy to understand as possible. You know, I always joke that, um, I told Stella and Dr. Weiner that like they are very elegant in the way they teach and that, they, you know, I asked Stella, um, I said, well, Dr. Weiner, I think is like, if ultrasound were music, he would be the Mozart of uh, ultrasound and I'd be like the Justin Bieber. Like, and, and, and I asked Stella, I was like, okay, what do you think? You, she'd be like, oh, I'd be, I'd be Mozart. I'd be Bach, you know? And so we kind of laugh about, I definitely think I dumb things down and 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 I think that's that's okay. Like I think you when you read a a novel, read the novel and the Cliff's Notes, and kind of understand that there are two different ways to approach it. This is a, this is a a vast field in in aesthetics, ultrasound. I think there's a ton to learn, and I think it's great. I tell everyone take Weiner's course, take Sella's course, take Micro's. You're gonna learn different stuff from all of us. So. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I approach education is, um, just try to, like, I use imagery, like when you're diving down to the piriform fossa, um, on ultrasound, remember the scene in the Top Gun Maverick where he has to like get over the ridge and he has to bomb down in the, in the crater. That's kind of what you have to do. You have to get over the maxilla and bomb down and like using really dumb images, like you know, remember that part of Maverick, you know, that I think people will go, oh yeah, that part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. So I, that's always my goal is to just try to just to make it as easy as possible, because I do think the more people that use it, the safer industry becomes. So that's kind of my mission. Well, I was thinking that you're more of like the Cardi B of ultrasound. That's where I was going with that. I was like, she's going to say Cardi B. I just know it, but you didn't, but you know, I'll take Bieber too. Well, I was like, I love the bees. But I was in a class with Stella a few weeks ago in California, and we were doing an actual adverse event. We had an occlusion that was on stage that had come in. They'd called Dr. Sadat. The uh, physician had already treated her at her office. We were coming in to, to do some more. And watching her go through the occlusion and what had already, you know, had sort of, you know, decompressed, if you will, and the blood starting to flow again, it just you could, like, in real time watch it all happening. And then I think Dr. Ripken was on stage actually injecting more Hylinex, and he knew right where to go and, you know, what, what to fix. It was just remarkable to watch it. But as she's talking about this, and I'm a pretty intelligent human, I'm like, what in the hell is she talking about? Like, all these images she's seeing, like, I don't see any of that stuff. I just see, like, a bunch of gray on a page. And, you know, it, it was, like, complete, um, I don't know. It was like looking at, you know, a foreign language to me. I had no idea what I was looking at. And I'm thinking about an injector who's looking at this who doesn't do ultrasound, who's, you know, coming out of the, you know, RN world into this. 
it takes practice. I mean, I've watched now ultrasound lectures. I don't know how many hundreds of hours of, of the stuff I've looked at, but even now I'm like, what the heck am I looking at? And I think just like injecting, you didn't learn to inject in your first class and you weren't an amazing injector on day one, hour three. It's the same, you know, it's a journey. And I think people probably push back because it's, it's hard, you know, in the beginning, it, it doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't feel easy. And it's like, oh, one more thing to learn and do. And I got to invest in more training. And there's all these reasons why I'm like, if you have one occlusion that you could solve, and stop someone from blindness like wouldn't it be worth it i don't know i just i have such a different opinion about it. like if it's safer if we should be doing it all of us but you know that's just my opinion but you use ch- chicken cutlets i've seen you with your little chicken um it, you know your classes seem to be really fun your people love it but you're coming to static next in a few weeks or i guess two months to do more injection or more ultrasound classes so what does the class look like because i'm curious like how do you teach this someone who knows nothing about ultrasound walks in your room and you're like okay let's make you an ultrasound you know guru what does that even look like in, in real time well, I, I start with saying like, you're not going to be an ultrasound guru by the end of the day. I'm going to make you an ultrasound um, adopter, like so that you could adopt it into your practice by the end of the day. Uh, and that's my goal. And so we start with just really basic controls and just basic ultrasound understanding. I don't go into like major ultrasound physics. I use like, you know, imagery from the movie Blackfish and like how the way the whale is calling to her child in a very low frequency uh, pitch to find find her whale child. And so like we kind of just start with like these are very basic pearls of knowledge that you need to understand and and try to not get too caught up in a lot of this other stuff. Um, and then I go into uh, just kind of like here's some really easy ways to start using ultrasound and like safe mapping is my trademark technique of just where you basically are just checking to see if you can put your injection of filler with a needle in any part of the face. Um, so I, I kind of just start with that, which is, I think, the easiest way to, to adopt ultrasound. So we work on that and then we kind of work on ergonomics and that's where we use the chicken and we work on just kind of target practice is what I call it. And then the afternoon is really hands-on where we get models. We have a database of sparkle aesthetics patients who volunteer to be our ultrasound models. And we just kind of practice ultrasound stuff. We don't inject. Um, we don't inject anything. So most people are coming from out of the state where they don't have a license in Illinois. So we're doing just kind of like projections and just to kind of get the sense of how you will go back to your practice and use it. And then at the end of the day, I say, now you need to line up your own patients for a day, get ultrasound day, get your own models and do some of this stuff and take it back to your practice. Cause if you don't use it right away, you lose it. So I, I really try to kind of encourage them. Like now you have the skills that you need to keep practicing and keep building. This is not the end of your learning. And I say, go take Weiner's course or Stella's course and, and really see what else you can learn. So then you recommend that they buy the device first, I'm guessing, so that they can leave this class and then go do it. But I just re- recently did a GE grant to get you and Stella um, the ultrasound devices from GE. We have Minery, we have Claris, we have GE. There's lots of choices out there, and they have very different, very different price points. And I feel like you walk around with like one in your hand all the time. Like, you see Danny at the airport? She has ultrasound. You see Danny in, a, in the bathroom? She has ultrasound. Like, wherever you are, you have an ultrasound device with you. Because they're now so handheld and mobile. But how do you choose which one to buy? You know, what, what, what fits your practice best if you're the injector looking at this for the first time? And should you buy it again first and then go to class? Or go to class first and then go buy it? Like, what's is it chicken or the egg? Well, you know, I think a lot of 
a lot of times I think it really does help to come and take the course first because I have all these ultrasounds all over the place. Um, it's like an ultrasound barn, you know, they're just like each, there's like, they're, they're all over the place. You can kind of see. And, and for some reason, a lot of times people are drawn to one over the other and they come and they take the course and go, you know what? I, for some reason, this, this image on this screen, it's really, I can understand this. Um, so in some ways, I think it's best to take the course and then go buy it because you can practice all of them. Um, however, some people have already kind of practiced at a conference now that lots of different vendors, right, different conferences, they already know which one they want to buy. So then they buy it and they come and take my course. I'm very lucky in that um, the ultrasound companies have kind of created these educational programs where they get like a discount if, if they have taken my course or they give a discount to take my course when they buy it. Um, so I think that like that's all kind of great signs of the industry is that now these ultrasound companies are going, yeah, we know that we need to buy, we, we know we need to support the user in a way that we're not necessarily doing in the hospitals because in the hospital systems, they have educational platforms. They have other people who can teach them at at the hospital how to use the ultrasound, but in aesthetics, they don't. So I think a lot of the, the ultrasound companies are getting pretty savvy about, okay, we need to actually help them understand how to use it. So they are saying, we'll support these courses. If you want to go take um, one of these facial ultrasound courses that are CME accredited. So I think that's also really helpful um, because then that allows the user to have that sense of confidence. Like, okay, if I get this, then I can go take Danny's course and go right away and and kind of have that knowledge that I need to use it. So there's two different ways to do it. I think, you know, if you know you're going to use the MindRay, then you can buy the MindRay, come take my course or, you know, there's different ways to think about it. But I think that the, the there's, there's definitely a benefit to taking the course first and being able to decide which one you feel most comfortable with. Well, I think you said something there that really kind of piques my interest and I, um, I'm a big believer in CME because I think it levels the playing field to like a quality education experience is that you have, I think, one of the only ones that's accredited in the U.S. ultrasound classes. And I think what you mentioned about the manufacturers now believe that it's a valid, viable experience. And so they want to support it. I think that I read somewhere you teach other PAs and you had to get it accredited because you wanted to teach other PAs and other you know medical programs. So you had to get a CME accreditation. But that process is not fun. I've done it. I do it for other people all the time. And it's, it's a laborious process. But I feel like it gives you some kind of validation that, you know, this is like a real thing. And so I look at all these injectors who are doing trainings even in their own office, you know, filler, Botox, whatever. And I'm like, go get CMEs, go do the work to get it done because it just puts you on a different level playing field than you would have without it. So, you know, in that process too, you also have now trademark safe mapping, which I love proprietary aesthetic methods. We just did a class with Kaylin about that, where it's your thing. It has your name on it. No one can ever do it except for you. It's like you own it. Leslie Fletcher is also really good at this too. So I think those are two things that set you apart. And in doing that, you know, as people start to go out and start training on ultrasound, they're popping up kind of everywhere. How do you market that? Because I think part of it people think about if I do all the work to do ultrasound or to do CMEs and all the work to get these brands and trademark things, is it actually worth it long term? How does it pay off for me ROI? So different question, entirely business question. Is it paying off for you and is it worth the effort to go through all that rigmarole to get it done? That That's a great question. Um, I mean, I, for me, it was definitely worth it because it's really important to me to preserve the quality of ultrasound education. And, you know, the reason why I ended up trademarking and getting some of these patents are, is because I started teaching and then I started seeing on Instagram 
some people I, you know, had taught, like going out there and kind of teaching it, but it wasn't correct. And it kind of, I was like, oh man, that's not, I'd hate for ultrasound to be kind of dirtied down to kind of have it be taught in that way. Um, so I, I kind of went down that road of thinking, well, I really want this to be received well, and I want there to be no complications after somebody has kind of, you know, misused the ultrasound or misunderstood how it was supposed to be used in that context. So I really, I feel like it's worth it to me just knowing that if you want to learn how to safe map, you come and take my course, you know, that's, it's, it's a really important part of how I teach and, and how to inject safely. So, you know, there's, it's sort of two, two different ways to think about it in that sense that I, I think it's worth it for the quality in terms of like the ROI. It's hard to say, it's hard to say, you know, in some ways in, in a lot of business decisions you just do and don't think about it in terms of an ROI. It's more like a, this is just going to make me feel better about what I'm doing. I think it has ROI because they have to come to you to take the class, right? Only you teach safe mapping. And I'm curious of like, I know what safe mapping is a little bit from reading a lot of your presentations last year and just, you know, having listened to your interviews and things over over the years where you take like the, the really complex vascular structures and things and you're like, okay, let's distill this down to what's really important for you as an injector. So what actually is safe mapping? And in thinking through that, you know, as an injector in the room, is it even possible to do it in an appointment? Like how realistic is it for somebody to, you know, whip out the old Claris and start and start doing ultrasound in the middle of like their filler appointment? Because I think that's where people off another reason to get a little bit hesitant is like, is this real life? Like, can I really do this inside of a practice or is this, you know, just for an occlusion? Yeah, I, I definitely think that like it's it's safe mapping, it's it's really very simple. You know, you're basically just saying you're putting aside all the complexities of vascular mapping. You know, I really, I don't really like the term vascular mapping when it comes to injecting on a day-to-day -day basis, because when you look at a, you know, a CT angiogram of the face, where you start to look at all the vessels of the face, it's like, wait, we're, we're mat Why are we doing that? Why are we mapping all of that? When we just want to know, can I put filler in this chin right here? I think vascular mapping and some of this ultrasound stuff, it's really easy to go down a wormhole where you've suddenly made it much more complicated than it needs to be. Um, so that's where I came up with the idea of, of safe mapping. It's like, we're not, we don't really need to go and explore the entire face or track this whole vessel to see where it goes, to find out really what the point of the ultrasound is, is can I make this injection safer? So it really makes someone it prevents someone from getting too distracted by ultrasound. And I and I kind of came up with it because it's like, I get very distracted by ultrasound. It's like, I'll be ultrasounding somebody's face. I'll be like, whoa, that is so cool. Wait, hold on. Where does this go? What's this? Oh my God, is that a muscle or a ligament? You know, you just kind of can easily just go off-roading as I call it. So safe mapping is a way to just say, put all that stuff aside. Let's keep this appointment quick. I'm going to add two minutes to this injection because I'm going to just quick safe map and check this spot and see if it's safe. So it's it's really a, a much more practical way to adapt ultrasound in your practice. So yeah, I think it's like a, it's an additional five minutes to an appointment once you get it down right. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's targeted, right? It's like the area that you're going to inject, go target and go look at that. But I do a lot of cadaver labs and I think it's the same issue in cadaver labs. We We look at all these parts of the face and it gets really complex and confusing. It's like, guys, you don't even inject there. Like, why are you looking at that? You don't even inject in that area, nor nor should you. Let's let's look at things that you actually do all day long and figure out how to work in that area. 
but you know, you find these anomalies, right? You find arteries that are out of place and I've had a rhinoplasty. So my nose is like crazy. And you know, everyone's got this kind of unique anatomy, if you will, in, in some cases, I think if you do that a lot, you start to get a little bit nervous and you get that little butthole pucker of like, Oh, this could be a real thing. And you want to do ultrasound now. Cause you're like, Holy shit, this could be a real issue for me. And so I, I think they're like almost, um, they're correlated, right? The more cadaver, more anatomy that you understand, the more scared you are and the more you want to have ultrasound. And so there's almost like a, um, it's opposite here. It's like the less, you know, you walk around like having no idea what's going on. You're like, I don't need that. I don't have an idea. The more you know, you're like, oh, crap. Let's buy three ultrasound devices and have them all in our office and, you know, do it all day long. So we have a weird thing in this industry where we're kind of, um, we're an opposite day all the time. But thinking through that, again, um, your patients come in your practice, right? They love you. They think you're hilarious and fun, get great outcomes. How do they feel about ultrasound? Are they used to just like sitting in the chair an extra five minutes, having you, you know, look at their face? How does the patient aspect of it change? Because again, it's a cultural shift in the office where they walk in like no one else does this. Do they think that you're like super um, impactful and helpful and amazing because you do it? Or are they like, ah, oh, this is kind of a, you know, just an add on? Uh, no, they they love it. They totally love it. And it's, it's even like, it, it draws people into the practice in a way that, it's really surprising sometimes. And even we have people who are like, oh, that's the place that does ultrasound. That's where I want to go get my facial and, and just random things. Or they'll say, oh, uh, you do ultrasound, right? So would you, are you going to ultrasound like this to do my Botox here? And, you know, and it's just, it, it's really funny that things that don't even require ultrasound or things that I don't even use ultrasound for people are coming in and saying, can you ultrasound that part? Cause it'll just make me feel better. Um, so they don't understand what you're looking at. They don't understand what's, what it's doing, but they just know it's for safety and they know that it's protecting them. And, and, you know, I think in aesthetics, we lose sight of, there are still a lot of people who are very nervous about filler. Um, you know, we have tons of Botox patients who come in and I, you know, I've been saying, let's, it's time to do filler. Let's get a little bit of filler. And, you know, and they're like, Ooh, it still makes me so nervous. And they're like, I mean, I know you do ultrasound. So when I'm ready, I'm going to only go to you. So they, they definitely understand that it's, there's something going on with the safety and they love it. And so I, I think for anybody who's thinking about bringing it into their practice, it, it shows your patients, your commitment to safety that, that they do understand, that they understand that it's out there on social media. Um, they, they can even Google it now and say like, who does uh, ultrasound near me type of thing. That's, that's one of the Google searches that people are doing. Well, that's fun. I didn't know that. But, you know, I think patients are really smart now. Patients are looking at Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, and they're hearing all these things about adverse events and complications. Some folks love to put complications on their Instagram. They love to talk about occlusions on their Instagram. It makes me crazy. It's like you can't put that out there and they don't have a solution. Like you can't say, hey, patients, this is all so dangerous and not say, but we take measures to make it safer or we do things to make it you know, more safe than if we didn't do them. And so I think patients are kind of equally scared, but also more informed than they've ever been before. And they've got to know that you're doing something. And so I think it's a calling card, again, to your branding. Like you've become this brand, like you are synonymous with your brand with ultrasound. It's all kind of one big thing. And patients, I think, really appreciate that. But it's funny, I'm envisioning in my mind a video of like, you know, a patient runs out, like, you know, when they've seen Elvis or the Beatles fanning themselves, like, Danny, you did my ultrasound. You know, I could just like see this coming live because people probably are like waiting in line to get that done. So I think it's remarkable that what you've done, pioneering it in a sense, um, and people who are pushing back, just give it a second. Go do the Maverick, you know, the Maverick um, metaphor. Go do some chicken cutlets with Danny. You'll become a big fan of ultrasound. But you're coming up in aesthetic next. I want to talk about that for just a quick second. You're obviously training. I just, I think I read last night you're doing like a training in 
August and September and October and November, everywhere, but you're also going to be at AN. You and Stella have a class together on Wednesday, a full day class, and you have one as well by yourself doing safe mapping. So tell us what's in store for that, because this will come out before Aesthetic Next. So what's in store for us at AN with all of your workshops? Yeah, you you said it. We have our one-day course. Stella and I have our one-day course together, which is going to be super fun. I think Stella and I have always wanted to work together. I've, I've already done a course with Weiner, so I'm, I'm like super pumped to uh, do a course with Stella. And um, we have that on Wednesday, like you said. And then we have uh, a, just a quick safe map workshop, I believe. Or no, that's our that's the lecture. I'm going to do the safe map um, lecture and then the side workshop, I believe. And so we're just going to be kind of honing in on that for just to get that down, you know, because I do think that that's like a number one um, kind of complication prevention maneuver. So I think that's a great way to start for people who are just like, okay, now if I get ultrasound, can I do that? And the answer is yes, this part's easy. You'll be able to do that. So that's, yeah, that's the AN, that's the AN wrap. It's like full day workshop and lecture. But I think it's like a preview as well. I think the one that you're doing by yourself is like a preview. If I don't, if I'm not sure yet that I want to go all in with ultrasound, I can go do like a, you know, a realistic job preview, if you will, a couple hours, see if I like it. I think the one with you and Stella, I envision people, I've had people call me, ask me about it, you know, like, oh my gosh, it's like the two celebrities of ultrasound to get in the same room. And you guys are focusing on different things in your individual workshop. She's doing adverse events and you're doing more of safe mapping, getting like practical ultrasound use into practice. And so I think whatever your, whatever your poison is, you can pick it here at Aesthetic Next. But if you guys are not coming to the overall conference on Wednesday, you can come without coming to the conference and do the class, but it's going to be incredible. You're going to have all the devices there. And then in your own practice, when you do them, is that a full day? Is that a weekend? How long are the courses that you give? Yeah. So in my training center, my ultrasound training center, I do, I try to do one a month of a full day CME course, um, you know, eight hours where we just do that whole agenda that I described where it's like from soup to nuts, where you're just going to start the day with the basics. And then by the end of the day, I'm going to show you some of like some advanced techniques um, that I've worked on and everybody gets to practice them on the models by the end of the day. And it, it's, that's really exciting to me because, you know, you have these people, you know, come in at nine, grab kind of quietly and shyly grab their donut and their coffee. And they're like, I've never done ultrasound, you know? And then by the end of the day, they're like, yeah, got it. Like this is, I got this. Yeah. And just to see them just blowing it out of the water by the end of the day, it's really fun for me. Well, and I think, you know, traveling to your office, I'm sure, is a fun experience as well. I, I just saw you had Julie Bass Kaplan there, I think, a few weeks ago. You're going to other people's classes and doing things. I think you're just out with Scott Callahan somewhere for uh, the Dolce Symposium. I mean, you're kind of everywhere, Danny. You really are. So, guys, if you have not gone to class yet and you can't come to Aesthetic Next, definitely go look up Danny's website. I think it's sparkleaesthetics.com and find the training. Go to it. Go experience ultrasound. Learn about it. Get used to it. So, Danny, what's next for you? Because I feel like, again, you're on this meteoric rise of ultrasound guru-ness. Um, you're like the Dalai Lama of ultrasound. So what comes next in your life and your practice and growth and your expanding? So, you know, how, how will Danny look in 2024? Um, so we actually are building out a space down the block because um, we've sort of busted out of our little corner spot. Um, so, so my space is going to be moving down. It's being built out as we speak. Um, so a bigger trainer training center and more rooms for injections, a bigger sort of injection room where I can do, um, a lot more, there's a lot more space for ultrasound. There's a bench for people if they want to come and watch. Um, so, so I'm really excited about that. Just my new space should be pretty fun. Um, I'm working on, um, this complication clinic. I do a lot of complications. I do handle a lot of complications that people send my way. 
Um, so I've started to kind of formalize the process of admitting um, complications uh, so that I can kind of quickly get to those. And so, and it's not just like a, you know, quick text. Oh, hey, somebody, somebody that'll still always happen, I'm sure. But just kind of like a kind of client intake for complications. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I really love kind of fixing these aesthetic complications for lack of a better term. Um, so that's going to be really fun for me. And yeah, I mean, it's my team has grown. I, I've hired a few more people. And 2024, I, I hope to have my practice manager. I've been looking for a practice manager for months. And um, so, yeah, that's that's my goal. Find a robust practice manager to, to help me uh, keep my head on straight uh, with all of this going on. Well, good luck. You're like the eighth person who's told me they need a practice manager. But will you do me a big favor in your complications class? Will you tell folks to chart <clears throat> to chart correctly so that whenever they get to you, you can look at their records and it's actually accurate? Like, where did you put it? How much did you use? What product did you use? Because it makes me crazy when they when these things happen. It's like, I don't know. I didn't write it down. And it was like, you know, four days ago and I was slow since then. I'm like, oh, my God, you got to chart stuff. Take a picture. Write it down. Use some, use a tool. I don't care what you use. Use a static record. Use whatever you want to use. Just put it in the chart because documentation is such a gap in this industry. It makes me crazy. Definitely. Definitely. That's actually part of why I want to have this kind of complications clinic portal because it sort of forces whoever's referring the patient to kind of get all that documentation in there so I can say, okay, like, when was this? What What was it? and just be able to help in that way. Thank you. Like I said, you're out there doing the Lord's work every day, making changes. Well, I have loved having you on for our season four kickoff. Like I said, total fangirl. I'm like in your corner, no matter what you, you know, no matter what you do, I think it's the best ever. You were our X Factor winner last year at the Aesthetic Next Nexties because I was like obsessed with you and still am. So I can't wait to see what happens from now on till you know, 2050, wherever, wherever you may go. And we're going to come to your practice at some point. I'm bringing the whole crew. We're going to come to Chicago and we're going to hang out and take a course and see what, what this is all about. But I will see you in a few months. Any last words for our audience before we roll off? No, just, but I just want to echo, you know, my admiration for you. It's really what you've done with your business and your practice. It's, I mean, your, your aesthetic record and aesthetic next, you've built like this amazing conference that everybody wants to go to. I mean, you're fangirling, but so am I. I mean, especially from a business perspective, you're, you're, you're like a tycoon. So we have a lot to learn from you. Well, I've got a great team. I'm sure you feel the same way. It's all about how good your team is. So spend time there and make them great. And then they'll make you look good, even if you're not. So that's, that's my secret, but I will see all of you guys next week for our next episode. And Danny, thank you so much for coming on. You have been fantastic. And I will see you in two months in Dallas. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of For the Record. This podcast is not intended to provide legal or medical advice. It's for entertainment, education, and information purposes only. For more information on this week's guest or to get started with Aesthetic Record, email us at info at aestheticrecord.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more fresh perspectives on disrupting the status quo and surviving in the aesthetics industry.